Hi, everyone. You're listening to Experience Better, the CX podcast. I'm your host, Scott Thompson, Partner Relationship Manager at Kubra. Today, we're talking about Gen Z to baby boomers and what the generations expect from you. Uh, You've heard about them, Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, and baby boomers. But who are they really and what are their customer expectations? This episode breaks down the wants, needs, and expectations of each of these generations. Joining me today is Sean Jackson, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Kubra. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, Scott. Uh, thank you for the introduction. I am super excited to be here and especially to uh, to talk to you. We've got some exciting things to say. Absolutely. And and you're just the person we need because I would imagine it's never been more fun yet more challenging to market products and services to today's diverse customer segments. And I know enough to know that the customer segments today are incredibly diverse. So Sean, why don't you kick us off uh, and maybe give us an overview of each of these generations we're discussing today? Yeah, sure. Of course, Scott. We definitely need to sort of review that, right? Because uh, we talk about these generations sort of very easily and quickly, but we don't necessarily know exactly where those lines, how those lines are sort of delineated. So we, I could jump into the youngest generation, which is actually Generation Alpha. So that would actually apply to my son. It's people uh, who are under 10 years old, but you know they're not really in the in, in the mode of buying just yet or paying bills. So we're going to start with uh, Gen Z or Gen Z, depending on whether you are Canadian or American. Um, so Gen Z, the current age is six to 24 years old, and of course, defining moments for this generation would be smartphones and of course uh, social media everywhere, all the time, uh, and also seeing their, their parents struggle financially, um, which would be the Gen Xers. Next in line, we have our millennials who are currently uh, aged 25 to 40. Defining moments for this generation would be, of course, the explosion of tech and the introduction of social media. Uh, and finally, and, and very sadly, uh, of course, 9-11 was uh, a pivotal moment uh, for this generation, which of course, won't be forgotten by anyone, especially just this generation. Yep. Next, we have our Gen Xers. Now, of course, Scott and I are Gen Xers, so we guilty. Hold yes, guilty as charged. Uh, so we hold these uh, this generation close to the heart. Uh, the current age, and we won't specify our ages, uh, but they are the current age is forty one to fifty six. And the defining moments, of course, would be the end of the Cold War, the introduction of personal computers, uh, which, of course, I can still remember uh, the first computer I had when I was younger. It was my dad's Commodore 64. And I can just I'm not even sure I could even lift it at this point. It was just so bulky and heavy. Um, And another defining moment for this generation uh, is that we we often feel lost. Uh, as Scott would say, we are the middle children between yes. two major generations, right, Scott? Uh, yep. we're I, millennials and baby boomers. Absolutely. And I can completely relate to that. I just know going back to my high school days, when I started high school, we used typewriters. And at the end of my, you know, when I was graduating, we had computers. Uh, you know, we talk about being lost between, you know, paper and, and you know, technology. And also, I remember, you know, in elementary school, we had the imperial measurement system and then convert it over to metric. And I, you know, it just, I can't, I know neither of them really well because I started with one and went to another one and feel sort of lost in the chasm in between. So yeah, I can, I can totally identify with that. Yeah. I, to make you feel better, I still haven't mastered either imperial or metric and I vacillate between one and the other and trying to sort of teach it to my son is even more challenging. So we all seem to speak 
different languages as it relates to to, to those conversions. But uh, the next and final generation we'll talk about today is, of course, our baby boomers. So for me and probably for Scott, that would that would be our parents, right? So the current age of baby boomers are 57 to 75. And the most defining moments really are, of course, that post-World War II optimism, uh, the Cold War, and of course, everyone can remember the hippie movement, right? Make love, not war, peace out. Um, that was really, these were defining moments uh, and feelings of uh, that baby boomer generation. Absolutely. Yeah. And we won't even get into the music of that generation because uh, that's a whole separate subject. Maybe we'll have a CX podcast on that. But let's, you know what, you, you, you mentioned it right there. Let's begin with technology, which plays a huge role these days in customer communications. And specifically, I think, or I'd like to talk about, you know, the different communication styles and channels uh, preferred by each demographic and how they're used to maximize the customer experience today? Yeah, great question. Uh, this is so critical and we need to understand the differences amongst the generations so that we can truly understand how to speak most effectively to each generation. So starting off again with Gen Z, uh, this is a generation that absolutely uh, does not only want personalized experience, they expect them. They have very, very high expectations, want everything to be tailored to them. Of course, not surprisingly, they need rapid responses, right? This is a generation of immediate gratification. So they need, they want you to respond to them very, very quickly. And they have an average attention span of eight seconds, right? Eight seconds. That is not a lot of time. So this is a generation that just absolutely absorbs video and images. And this is a generation that you have to ensure you cannot waste a second with them. You can't waste a second because you will lose them very, very quickly. And they're also the generation that is most likely to say that they would pick a chatbot over a human for customer service interaction if they knew that they could save time. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, you talk about how times have changed. I know when we were kids, we were memorizing times tables, um, you know, in math class. And now they have, you know, calculators on their phones and we wanted information we went to the encyclopedias that were you know somewhere stashed on a dusty shelf in our homes and now it's it's google and internet with instant gratification so an instant information and it's just it is a completely different world out there and i remember those encyclopedias because we had a set but my brother was able to have like I think it was maybe letters S to Z he got and I got like A to L and then you know we shared the rest of them were were in the den. So it was a real privilege to have those those books. And that was kind of our Google at the time. But we certainly didn't have access to information in the same way that we do today, real time information. No. Not even so, close. Yeah. Speaking of real time information, our next group of course is our millennials, right? So millennials are actually they they have a very natural proclivity for technology, not surprisingly. And they're very, very comfortable navigating and switching between multiple different channels and devices really, really quickly and efficiently. Much like our Gen uh, Z group, they're quick and concise. You know, they want you, they want communication to be short, concise, uh, and fast are really the characteristics that you need to remember to uh, communicate with this, with this group. Social media, 
This is an interesting one. So 64% of millennials believe that social media is an effective channel for customer service. Uh, that's really interesting. I know uh, for myself as a, uh, a Gen Xer, I wouldn't even dream of going to social media for you know customer service uh, issue. I either want to talk to somebody live on the phone uh, or I want to chat. I, I wouldn't necessarily be thinking of, the, of that channel. So that, that, that's really a, a big takeaway for me. Uh, and from a texting perspective, again, not surprisingly, behaviors that we've all observed around us, millennials use their smartphones for texting far more than they do for phone calls. In fact, like, in fact, three quarters of them prefer texting to talking. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, reminds me of, you know, I've got a couple of children who are not children anymore, but, but they're definitely millennials and uh, you give them a phone call and, you know, you won't hear, they won't pick up. You, you text them and they respond within milliseconds. And it just, you know, just enforces that comment you just made about their love of all things text. So uh, yeah, it really relates to me in that regard. And it makes you wonder, you know, when, when you, when those phones are, you see, you know, that, that generation, even, you know, us are Gen Xers, but even more so the millennials, they, they forget their phone, their phones at home. There's a certain level of anxiety that, that uh, ensues when we are detached from our phones. Uh, and, and it's just, again, a statement of, of how much we, we, and this generation relies uh, on, on the smartphones. So on to our Gen Xers, so which again, we are very close to heart. So we are a generation uh, that became the early adopters of email, right? We are all things email. We're super comfortable with email. And 80% of us say that email is our preferred communication channel. Unlike, or, or much like the other generations, we want short and concise, concise messages as well, right? We're busy. We have, we're juggling a lot of different, uh, uh, you know, responsibilities and accountabilities. We want short, brief messages. Now, the difference here is that we're interested in social media, but really more so for personal and not so much for business. So we're avid social media users, but we tend to really keep it specifically for personal use. And we don't necessarily associate it with communicating with businesses. And finally, you know, as we mentioned before, we kind of feel like the middle child in between two really interesting generations that are often talked about. So we're a generation that we really want to be acknowledged, right? We want to be acknowledged in uh, marketing and advertising. And in fact, 54% of us are really frustrated that brands are constantly ignoring us. Now, you know, this is an important topic and something that you really can't ignore. And the reason I say this is not only because, of course, we want to be inclusive and make sure that we're marketing to everybody to be fair, but really what's really even almost more impactful is that this is a generation that has a lot of money to spend. We have a lot of power, a lot of financial power and buying power and purchasing power. So you really do not want to be ignoring this demographic because we really can, we have the opportunity to invest and take advantage of a lot of different solutions going forward. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we're that generation, uh, and this is sort of, again, makes, makes me think of my family. You know, I, I talked to my mom, and she's like, you know, you never call me anymore, so I have to pick up the phone and call her. And my son, who won't even pick up the phone, I have to text him if I want to communicate with him. So it's, I guess that's a good segue into the baby boomers because they're probably the, the biggest difference in generational uh, characteristics from the previous three we just looked at. Yeah, you couldn't be more uh, on the ball there, Scott. It's true. Baby boomers really have very unique uh, characteristics and style in terms of their preferences. So much like you said, and not surprisingly, they love personal conversations. So good old-fashioned personal conversations where you hear somebody's voice, and they really prefer face-to-face -face meetings and telephone conversations over any other channel. 
But when they do have to use uh, digital channels, when they're forced or they, they go down that path, their digital channel of choice is email. And, you know, I see that in my, my parents as well. They seem to have adopted email quite easily and quite in a quite comfortable way. Uh, but beyond that, whenever you try to translate to even texting or any kind of apps, that's where we sort of lose them, right? They, they're comfortable sitting down at their desktop computers or their laptop in their office in that one location and typing that email out. That's a real level of, of comfort for this for this demographic. They also use social media for personal and not for business. So this is a group that is really, uh, when they do use social media, it's really Facebook. F Facebook is really the channel of choice. Now, they're not really using this channel when they're thinking of business. It's really from a personal perspective. They're connecting with their family members. And I can attest to this personally. My mother-in-law, um, I, I will call her like a Facebook creeper. Uh, I think she'd laugh if she, if she heard me say that. But she has a profile on Facebook. She doesn't have her photo. She shares absolutely nothing about herself. But she loves to go on there and see what everybody else is doing. <laughs> so so she's a bit of a, of a, voyeur, a voyeur of sorts, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, and then finally, sort of much... As I mentioned earlier, this is a generation that loves their desktop computers, right? 80% are more likely to access the internet on a desktop versus a smartphone or even sort of a, a laptop, right? So it's this idea of the, you know, the, the, the big computer has more power and it's comfortable and it's in the same spot. Um, this is really a, a way in which you can uh, easily communicate and, and ensure that there's a, sort of a two-way two -way communication with this demographic. Absolutely. And, and you know, so this is all great. So this is what I sort of would like to do. You know, obviously, we're talking about all this in a business context. And, and in my background in the organization, I know there are differences among the generations when it comes to, you know, utilization of technology when it comes to making payments. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the top billing and payment preferences or expectations for each of these generations? Because I'm sure that's something that uh, our listeners would like to dive into a little bit. Yeah, that's great. Of course, I mean, all this information is really great to have, but if we can't understand how it actually translates to our business, then, you know, it, it's not really as useful as it can be. So I was talking about baby boomers. Let me carry on with the baby boomers to sort of a seamless transition. Not surprisingly, they love traditional payment methods. So 31% of seniors still pay their bills using checks, right? This is more than any other generation. I mean, I'm surprised that checks still exist at all, uh, but they do exist. And I know that, for instance, in, in dealing with my dad, if he owes me money before I've even sort of told him the amount that he owes me, I get an email, of course, an email because he's a baby boomer. He sends me an email telling me that the check is literally in the mail and the term that we are all familiar with. And so, you know, a, a transaction for say $200, which could have been uh, done in virtually minutes through an online transfer, you know, I got my check, you know, six days later uh, in, the, in, in the mail, but, you know, that's his level of comfort and, you know, to make him happy and ensure that he's not stressed out, you know, it's still a, a medium that works. Um, baby boomers also really, uh, they prefer to use cash to make payments and actually only 24% use mobile payments, uh, which is the smallest percentage among all generations. But quite frankly, I'm surprised that even 24% are using mobile payments. They must have some great kids that are, you know, giving them tutorials or something, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in all honesty, I'm surprised by that number as well. I, yeah. I didn't think it would be that high. They must, they must have some training sessions. I'm not aware of, or maybe perhaps I'm a really poor teacher because the time, few times I've tried to sort of quote unquote coach my parents. I just, I feel like they're just, they're, they're just not quite there yet. 
Um, but that's okay. That's why I think it's key to ensure that you have a lot of different choices and selections, you know, for your for your audiences and for your customers. Uh, so moving down the generations, sort of backwards, we just talked about baby boomers. Now let's talk about Gen Xers again. So what do we Gen Xers like? Well, we prefer mobile payments and we're early adopters of innovative payment methods, right? So we we are early adopters of actually specifically wearables and voice activated devices for payments. And so even- that's okay. So let me, I'm sorry to, to interrupt. Yeah. What, what is a wearable? That is a new term even for me. That's a great, great question. We throw these terms around like everybody understands them. So a perfect example of a wearable would be like uh, your Apple Watch, for instance. Right. So it, you know, you're wearing it. Uh, you don't have to hold it in your hand. And you can get all sorts of information from, you know, email, alerts, text. You can access uh, websites. And also now there are, you know, wearables that are also integrating all these biometrics, right? So people can have one device that they're wearing that integrates all this information uh, into one device. And rather than having to hold it, they can have this device on them. And also they can engage in physical activity and still be connected. So that's, you know, that's a wearable. And interestingly, uh, not only are Gen Xers sort of, uh, you know, big wearers of wearable devices, more specifically, women uh, are actually interested in using a wearable device uh, as a payment method, and even more so than men, which is which is interesting. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. And then finally, something that makes complete sense to me, Gen Xers, we are the, the most, the, the biggest users of credit cards. Right, like like we use credit cards very, very, uh, uh, very, very frequently and in a very comfortable way. And I mean, this is this was really the credit, so to speak, or the only option that we had available for the longest time. So you know, we, you think of the plastic in your card and the credit card and receiving umpteen, uh, still umpteen letters from uh, credit card companies begging for you to open a card with them. Um, it's it's sort of no wonder and no surprise that this is. A very comfortable method um, for our generation to continue to to leverage uh, to make payments. Yeah, credit has never been easier or cheaper uh, to secure these days, and and a big difference from you know when I was a kid and we'd go on vacation and the credit was you know travelers checks that my dad would whip out of his shirt pocket and sign away in cash and you know all of a sudden have money. So uh, yeah, it's a big difference. I wonder, do can you even get travelers checks? In fact, I was watching a movie the other day and they were whipping out their travelers checks, and I thought to myself. Is it even possible? I don't even know if they're still available around. They can't. They can't be flying off the shelves, but perhaps they are. Good question. Yeah, it's 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 right up there with just regular old checks. You know, they're right. side by side on a shelf right. somewhere. I think I'm going to have to investigate that and update. Somebody will have to give an update on the next podcast. I'll let you know how easy it is, if at all, to get travelers checks. Um, so let's move on to our millennials, right? So millennials love expense management payment options, right? And they're the only generation that prefers debit cards over all other payment types. This is a generation that really embraces prepaid cards and prepaid options, right? And it makes sense because millennials are often too young or lack sufficient credit history to qualify for the more traditional forms of plastic, right? So prepaid options can be a really great option for this demographic. And 47% of millennials say that they regularly use their smartphone to pay for things. And this is, again, not surprising, more than three times the rate of baby boomers, right? So not surprising, not surprising. And then finally, our Gen Z, our youngest generation that we talk about today, they are big digital users for all things payments, right? So they like their digital wallets to purchase a product. 
And 80% of them use peer-to-peer payment platforms like Venmo and Zelle at least once a month. Yeah, that's uh, that would be my youngest son. He doesn't even know what a piece of paper is, and he's got, you know, he just recently got a job when he's got his phone, and and um, you know, he's just things just show up at our doorstep that he's ordered online through his phone and his phone wallet, and it's just uh, it's amazing to see. Well, immediate gratification, right, Scott? There's another exactly it. Amazon, Amazon is full, you know, further reinforcing this immediate gratification sort of model that we've all sort of started to become accustomed to. Yeah, he's got to get set for disappointment once he gets out to yeah. the real world. Right. So, you know, Sean, we've covered a lot of ground here. And, you know, we talked about age and we talked about, you know, technology and the use and prevalence of technology with these different, uh, you know, generations and their preferences. So where does this all sort of come together? You know, why don't we, you know, let's summarize sort of what are the big differences uh, among the generations at this point, just so we can sort of, you know, get that snapshot view. Yeah, this is great. I think, you know, as we close out, it's important to to know, you know, A, what are the differences between the generations and equally as important as important to understand what are the commonalities, right? So if we talk about the differences, you know, our Gen Z and millennials, they're of course the most tech savvy and digital minded individuals. And they're more likely to pick a chatbot over a human, whereas our baby boomers prefer face-to-face communications. Now, our Gen Z and millennials see social media as an effective channel for communicating with businesses. However, Gen X and baby boomers don't typically associate social media for business purposes. Now, Gen Z like digital wallets and peer-to-peer payment platforms, while millennials like debit cards, prepay options, or other options that will help them, most importantly, manage their expenses. So that's key with that generation. And then finally, Gen X are innovative when it comes to payment technology, and they're early adopters of wearable devices, whereas our baby boomer parents really prefer traditional paper payment methods. Perfect. Now, the 10th grade math question, and this is we sort of save the best for last, you know, Venn diagram style, where does everything come together? If we have all these differences, what are the similarities between these generations? You know, where do our listeners start if they want to start reaching and get the most reach for uh, their marketing initiatives and efforts uh, to to hit the most number of clients or the most number of generations or the most reach, like I said, in terms of uh, any sort of campaigns or outreach programs? Yeah, this is great. I mean, if we if there are some common theme, themes across all generations, why why don't we leverage them, right? Why why wouldn't we want to leverage them? So. The, the first thing that I will say that, that is common across all the generations is that every generation wants an, wants an authentic experience that doesn't leave them feeling alienated or misunderstood, right? Everybody wants to feel like they've been heard and they're being talked to. So that's just, that's just common across all the generations. And also, most all generations want shorter and concise messages, right? Now, we all want short, concise messages. However, you know, the channels with with the channels that we want to receive this information differ from generation to generation, right? All of the generations are on social media, which is great, but they don't all use social media to interact with organizations. So companies can think about capitalizing on social channels to try to capture new audiences and existing audiences, but think about specifically the generation. So for instance, for Gen Z, this might be on TikTok. And for baby boomers, this might be Facebook. 
And then finally, it's really important to offer choice, right? And keep your traditional payment options for baby boomers. But make sure that as you're looking ahead towards the neuter generations that are popping up, that you optimize digital and mobile payment options for the other generations that are continuing to grow and coming into the marketplace. Wise words there, sage advice. <laughs> now, Sean, this is sort of uh, take a bit of a different tact here with the program. This is where we're going to ask you to tell us about a time where you had an incredible customer experience. And it can be from any industry, just, you know, something, a, a some sort of customer experience that's really stuck with you and made an, an impression with you as a consumer. Uh, what a great question. Um, I love this question because I am incredibly passionate about customer experience. And only, not only because it's my job here at Kubra, but I just think, you know, every one of us uh, is is a customer of something or someone. And so we are, we have experiences every day. Uh, and so it's really hard for me to not uh, want to share great ones. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's just me, but I find that there are so few uh, great experiences. So when I do find one, I'm excited to talk about it. So the, the example I will use is one of my favorite companies called Wayfair. So not sure if you're familiar with Wayfair, the commercial, you know, Wayfair's got just what I need. Um, it's very catchy. Again, very smart marketing. Uh, Wayfair is a home goods and online home goods uh, company. You can find everything from soup to nuts to help decorate uh, your house. First of all, what do I love about them? They have a phenomenal website. Uh, it is very easy to search for anything and everything and filter down to the most, you know, finite detail of what you're looking for. Uh, so that's great. They've got tremendous selection. Their pricing is competitive. And once you actually make the purchase, they have a very transparent supply chain and they can show you from the minute you purchased it, they're alerting you along that road so that you know exactly when you're going to be getting your goods. So great selection, great website, great pricing. Then they tell you as your product is being shipped uh, where it is. And so then once you get that product, you open it up, the quality is usually exceptional. But when it's not, and when you're kind of fussy like me, oftentimes when you're ordering things online and you put them in your house, they're not quite the same color. They're not the, quite the shape. And so you sit there and you, you know, you say, I bought this thing, but I really, you know, it's not exactly what I wanted. Well, in so many other, you know, organizations or experiences, you have this feeling of guilt. Oh, I don't really want to return it. And, you know, I'm putting them out. It's inconvenient. Well, I had a situation where I actually, um, was trying to find a, an area rug for my house and I just couldn't find one that I wanted. And I kid you not, I bought and sold, I bought, I returned seven different rugs from Wayfair, seven different, every single time I, I, it, you know, called and interacted with them to return the, the, the merchandise. It was pleasant. It was easy. They had no barriers whatsoever. And they were jumping over, you know, bending over backwards to make the process easy for me to return the merchandise, which then the experience for me was, they were so great about allowing me to return that I just feel incredibly loyal to this brand. And the final thing that they did, which was exceptional, and I actually shared this story with somebody else, and they told me something similar happened to them also with Wayfair. I ordered something from Wayfair. I ordered an ottoman, and I was waiting for it to come. I opened up the door, delivery. I brought in the box and thought, boy, I don't know how an ottoman could fit in this teeny little box. Sure enough, it wasn't the ottoman. It was this beautiful mirror. And I contacted them right away, said, I I got this mirror and they said, I'll look into it. They got back to me within a couple of hours, found out that I got somebody's mirror and they got my ottoman. 
So I thought, you know, that what they would say is, listen, just hold tight. We'll pick up the ottoman and your mirror. We'll pick up the mirror and your ottoman will be coming soon. Instead, they said, we're so sorry. We actually want to, we want you to keep the mirror and your ottoman will be coming uh, next week. And actually we've deposited, deposited $50 credit in your account. Is that okay? Does that, does that suit you? So, I mean, you know, this is the kind of experience that in my opinion is absolutely exceptional. Uh, they have the right model in terms of really the customers always right. And they are consistent with their model throughout. And as a result, I am an incredibly loyal, I am a Gen Xer, so I am loyal. That's part of our characteristics, but I, I feel incredibly loyal to this brand and I, and it's my go-to for, for anything home, home goods. No kidding. It sounds like, it, especially if they're throwing money at you like that, I would be too. Well, as I said, my husband tells me we're going from Wayfair to welfare. So I'm not sure if that's really a perfect thing, but you know what? I enjoy it and I probably would be buying from somebody somehow. So there you go. You got it. And I just want to thank you for singing the jingle. So I've got that mind worm in my head now. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get you back somehow. Sean, thank you so much uh, for your time today. This was uh, not only very informative, but it was a lot of fun. And, and I just really want to thank you for making the time for us today. And uh uh, appreciate everything. So thank you so much. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Happy to come back anytime. That's all for Experience Better, the CX podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And please send us your questions and continue to the conversation with us on Twitter or Facebook at Kubra Way. That's K-U-B-R-A-W-A-Y. Or on LinkedIn at Kubra. Experience better. The CX podcast is presented by Kubra. And I'm your host, Scott Thompson. Goodbye for now. And I hope you experience better. Thank you very much. <laughs>